Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther, coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host from Los Angeles, California, Joey Nochilpreno. Hello, Andy. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. Thirsty. Thirsty Thursday. Thursday. Now, is that a thing for Instagram models, or was that just always solely a beer thing? I don't know. I think they should do Thirsty Thursday. I can almost guarantee you if you put hashtag Thirst Trap Thursday into Instagram, you will get a chick doing that random pose where their ass is facing the camera and they're looking behind them. They're like, oh, is there something over there? It's like, yeah, everybody else would turn around. What are you, an owl? (laughs) Didn't... uh... Didn't Robert Latow from Black Sports Online claim that he created the phrase thirst trap? Uh, I, I would believe that was a claim. I, I would, think he, I would I think he said that that's a claim. I, I think he said that on our show because not everybody uses it. Yeah. I, I saw Lolo Jones, the former track and field turned bobsledder, self-proclaimed virgin do a post where she just said I'm thirst trapping. I guess she's about to turn 40, like in her last days in her thirties. Okay. Still looking good by the way. Okay. Debatable. She's a virgin. I've always said that. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's a good claim to have, I think, but uh, I'm not sure I, in your late thirties claiming virginity is a good claim, but, but like that was her thing, right? She was attractive right. Yeah, she's 39. That was it. That's what it is. She was like near the end. But uh, anyway, I, th- I thought of him when I saw that. I was like, OK, this is this is Robert's thing. Thirst trap. We're all doing it. But uh, enough of that. We got a big show today. Big show today. Andy. I'm, I'm excited. There's a lot to-, to the gills. You called it juicy before the show. I did call it juicy. Thirsty Thursday. This show is a thirst trap extra juicy yeah well it just there's a lot going on in the sports world and last night as i was watching hard knocks i was reminded how much i enjoy that show and i was also reminded how much nfl players make me laugh joe prano and i'll start with ezekiel elliott watching a youtube video how to wrap a gift made me laugh out loud Oh, how about him giving up on watching the YouTube video and then just using like an insane amount of wrapping paper? I felt like in the middle of watching that, I was like, is knowing how to wrap something white privilege? Like what's happening? Like, why has this guy never wrapped a present? Is it like one of those things like, yeah, man, you know, we grown up poor. We just like give you your gift. We, We can't we don't have money to spend on like extra paper well he said he had never wrapped a gift which again blinking guy meme when he said that yeah and 
for the record, I'm terrible at wrapping gifts. Awful. I am notoriously bad in my family. I get roasted every single Christmas or holiday by especially my nephews and nieces. So I'm bad. But I have never once thought of watching a YouTube video on how to properly wrap a gift. I just know I'm bad at it and I don't really try. Now, his final product looked pretty good, I'll say. And I also am calling bullshit that he did that final product. Right. They didn't show us him finish. Because it looked pretty good when he gave it to Dak. Yeah. So I don't know, but that was the first thing. This is the first conspiracy theory from the new hard knocks. Did he wrap the (laughs) gift? This is where you're at. I'm just saying. I have so many things I want to talk about from hard knocks. And Ezekiel Elliott's wrapping wasn't even on my list. Well, it was on mine because I was I was to the point I rewind. I rewound it and I was looking pretty closely and I said, wait a second. If you because I've done the Zeke thing where you're missing stuff and you just extra wrap it. I've done that. It doesn't look like how his looked. So I think somebody got involved from HBO. That's my first hot take. Now, is it the most controversial take? No, but that's where I'm starting us off with an easy one. We'll start off easy. We can move to some other things that you want to talk about. I mean, I, you know, there's what did you think of Hard Knocks Cowboys just in general? Like, do you do you like the selection? Are you enjoying Cowboys? I thought it wasn't the most exciting episode. The you know, you would think Cowboys, obviously America's team and. Like Oxnard, you know, obviously they don't do it in Texas every year. They're up here outside of L.A. I thought it had like potential. And then just as the show started, I'm like, oh, right. Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy are basically our. First of all, our GM and owner and then Mike McCarthy. I mean, the press conference oh. where Jerry Jones is having some Alzheimer's rambling moment. He's like talking about championships and the Cowboys and he just starts crying. There's nowhere I'd rather be here with this David camp. And then Mike McCarthy just wearing some ladies uh, sunglasses <laughs> watching Jerry Jones do that. And you can't figure out if he's about to cry or if he's like, oh man, this, what, why is he talking so much? Um, listen, I'll, Everything I've said about the Cowboys as a Giants fan in the last, well, certainly the last couple of years, but definitely last year, not changed by seeing Mike McCarthy actually talk. Like Mike McCarthy, I've been calling him a boob on the show for basically the entirety of the run of the Dirty Sports podcast. Nothing in Hard Knock says he's not a boob. He literally has a Austin Powers segment of training camp. Well, I agree. Here's what's going to happen. When you hear the Austin Powers theme song, everybody's going to break down into a 60s style twist. And then from that, for the next three plays, we're in mojo mode. Yeah, baby. (laughs) I thought about you, of course, since you have been calling him a boob. And I agree that that was the, Recurring thought through my head through the episode was, wow, not only is, was Prano right about him being a boob, I don't think, and it sounds like you're agreeing, I don't think we all realize the, the degree of how big of a boob. He is just such a dork. 
Yeah. And the Austin Powers thing to me was cringeworthy. I want to go back to Jerry Jones real quick. I felt, and I wrote this down, he just looks so old. And this isn't like a diss. This is just, this is what it is. Like during he looks that pre- old, but he also like, he looks, he's, he acts old. like decrepit. That's what I'm saying. He, he, he's he, honestly, the McGriddle thing was just blowing my mind. They had to blur out the McGriddle because Not I don't know. Yeah. But also you are a billionaire with a B. You have the most and you're getting McGriddles delivered to your office on a fucking plate. And then the and then your assistant's also bringing you some extra salt. I think one McGriddle has like 600 percent of your daily sodium. This dude's adding salt to it. like, bro, do you have covid? Like, why, why can you not taste the McGriddle? Yeah, my my takeaway, if I'm a Cowboys fan, I thought about this, too. In the opening minutes of the episode, if, I, if I'm watching that, Joe, I'm thinking, oh, my God, this old man who's again, not only does he look old, like he just he he's 78. And I was thinking, you know, when my dad died, he was 77. So it's basically the same age. I'm thinking like my old man had it together so much better. At least I think he did. Maybe I'm being biased because it's my own father, but not just visually, but mentally. And I'm thinking if I'm a Cowboys fan, this guy is my hands-on owner, president, and general manager. There is no way, mark my words right now, there is no way, not a chance in hell, the Cowboys sniff the Super Bowl as long as he's calling the shots. What's amazing, too, is, I mean, Hard Knocks, obviously, they love to build the drama. The voiceover is always, you know, one of, if not the best part of the show. They go early on, they go, three Lombardi champions, three Lombardi trophies during Jerry Jones's reign. And it's like what the first fucking five years of his reign when Jimmy Johnson and the Jimmy Johnson post, you know, season one year post Jerry, Jimmy Johnson run. I mean, then they add like, but they haven't won in 30 years. And it's like, well, what the fuck are we talking about? Why are we even mentioning? The it's trophies. 20, it's 20, it's 20, so he's 78. It was 26 years ago. So last time they won, he was 52. He was a and, functioning human being. And then, I mean, just everything. Like McCarthy. I mean, the Austin Powers thing. Oh my God. It's like to 20-year-old 20 20-year-old 20 comedies. The most guys on the field are, were three when that movie came out. He's like, tomorrow we're going to do the blue steel portion of practice. You guys have all seen that great Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson movie, right? You know what I'm talking about? They're like, we have no fucking idea. He's like, don't worry. I have a clip. He's such you a know, dork. The Giants are the Giants are getting like shredded online because like Joe Judge is like yelling at his players. I'm not the biggest like hard nose fucking angry coach guy, especially at the professional level. But I would take a coach having guys run laps over a guy who's breaking down into the mojo portion of the practice by playing the Austin Powers theme song. Yeah, I I agree. It's 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 got like, you know, we talked about with the Bucks a couple years ago, but like the Jameis Winston cringeness, like there's a lot of cringiness. Oh, yeah. On this Cowboys team. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. And 
I think in the NFL, I think sometimes the disciplinarians work. We've seen it work well, or you have a master schemer, right? You have a guy who's so prepared and bringing out such different looks, like a Bill Belichick type of guy. And and that's what I've said. You know, people have. People what is have McCarthy? Been, what is McCarthy? People have been calling out the Giants, and I'm like, you know, I don't love angry, motivational, fucking hard nosed coach guy, but also. Is there a single player on the Giants? Is there a single one? I don't know. Blake Martinez, maybe. It's like, is there a single guy who has earned the right not to get yelled at? It's not like it's a super veteran team. Meanwhile, you're the Cowboys. You're, you know, you've got guys who people believe are elite players in the league for five, six years now. And you're fucking showing them Austin Powers clips. Yeah, and I'll take it one step further. It's not just Mike McCarthy. My takeaway as a fan or, you know, whatever you want to say, a guy who watches a lot of football and who's watched Hard Knocks for, I don't know how many years, 15 years, my takeaway is there's not a coach on that staff, at least that they showed, that instills any sort of motivation. Well, so here's... I'll, I'll say the only exception I have is Dan Quinn. I thought Dan Quinn came off as, uh, you know, a regular old football guy. And I think that's the one thing I didn't know. Dan Quinn was hired to be their defense coordinator. That's the one thing that scares me as a giant fan. I'm like, Oh, but why? But, but, but my knock would be Dan Quinn. My knock would be this. Dan Quinn was known for his defense in Seattle. Yeah. He goes to Atlanta as the head coach. What yeah. was their what was their number one problem the last how many years he coached? Well, I mean, I think that's Defense. I, I think therein lies like why he inspires you know me thinking that maybe their defense will be improved because I think I think being a head coach is just above certain guys' level of competence. And also, you know, you don't you're not you're not the defensive play caller when you're the head coach, you know, well, I mean, well, a lot of Belichick is a lot of them. Are. Right. I'm saying smartly, if you can handle doing both, then you are, you know what I mean? But I mean, Dan Quinn obviously lost something in being the head coach, but look at a guy like Spagnola. Spagnola was a disaster as a head coach. He was a disaster, you know, in his interim moments as a head coach with the giants, everywhere he's been as a defensive coordinator, he's been great. Like that's where I think Dan Quinn. And also, I'm I'm not even judging necessarily Dan Quinn on his resume. I'm judging him on how he, he seemed on the show as compared to he's just like cursing out guys and be like, let's fucking go run around and fucking hit some people. Yeah. As opposed to Mike McCarthy, who's like, are we going to hit some people? Yeah, baby. You're like, what the fuck are you doing? Why Kel- are you wearing ladies sunglasses? And Kellen and Kellen Moore is the same way. That guy's your offensive coordinator. Yeah. Uh, guys, we're not reinventing the wheel. Let's go out there and make some plays in the second half. Guys, we're uh, we we scored three points. I don't know if you know anything about the mathematics of football, but three is not a lot. <laughs> and then they got the guy from England. <laughs> <laughs> Which guy from England? Did you? I rewound that and then I looked him up. I don't the, even know who the D line coach is from England. Oh, right, right. And the accent made me laugh and threw me off. And what about it. fucking was it John Fossil, Jim Fossil's son? Like, we're 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 doing a fucking PowerPoint about your fucking dick surgery. Yeah, 
Also, you know what doesn't show? You know what? You know what I? You know what doesn't instill confidence in me about Coach Fossil? He got his fucking what? What? What's the phrase I'm looking for? What's his surgery? He got his uh, vasectomy. His vasectomy. He got his vasectomy reversed. Yeah, he did. I mean, talk about a, a lack of commitment, bro. Why'd you get a vasectomy in the first place? What kind of guy gets a vasectomy and then gets it reversed? Well, I guess it does happen. People say, hey, maybe I do want to have another kid. Uh, well, then fucking don't get a vasectomy. My point is, I know it happens, but I would say that those guys have, you know, decision ma- poor decision-making skills. You- <laughs> so now you have had two surgeries on your nutsack to get back to where you started with your nutsack? Yeah, baby. Yeah. Cut those balls, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Mike McCarthy's like in the, you know, in the tunnel. He's like, guys, why run out on the field when we can take the elevator? <laughs> You're like, you fucking dork. Oh, he's such a dork. So I looked I up. Love it as a Giants I, fan. So I looked up again. I I've been very critical of the Cowboys, just because my, my take at this point with sports ownership, especially a team like the Cowboys, I've always said when you have the owner who's also the GM, especially at his age, it's not good. Then you look up their front office. I didn't know how clue. I knew there was nepotism within the Jones family. If you go to the Cowboys website, their front, listen to their front office. So we know Jerry Jones, owner, president, general manager. These are the executives. The COO, the executive vice president, the director of player personnel, the second most important position is his son, Stephen Jones. Mm-hmm. His daughter, Charlotte Jones, executive vice president, chief brand officer. Okay, whatever. That's not really football related. The third one, the executive vice president, chief of sales and marketing officer. Again, not football related, but still is his son, Jerry Jones Jr. So for those who don't know, the entire Jones family, Jerry Jones and three of his kids. The head cheerleading coach now, January Jones of Mad Women fame. I don't know if you've heard, they're trading <laughs> C.D. Lamb. I mean, up and coming, probably star wide receiver for Julio Jones. That's, uh, you know, you, you hate to see that. It's like, why would you go get an old veteran? Yeah. When you have a young receiver. So uh, the, the, the whole, my point is the Zeke whole family is, will be splitting carries with Maurice Jones drew. <laughs> I've heard Andrew Jones head of for- scouting chipper Jones. Yeah. Baseball yeah. guy. Why Jones Jones. So I, I think people are understanding our point that the whole organization, every single important executive spot is run by Jerry Jones. That is not a good sign because here's why. Who is who is the no man? Who's telling billionaire daddy? I don't know if that's a good move. Now, if you're Mark Cuban, I'm just using him as another Dallas example, and you hire different pieces around you who aren't. I mean, listen, what, what what like Mark Cuban as an example? How about just every sports team ever as an example? Like when has it ever worked? It's a great point. What when has it ever worked where the whole executive team? is related. He's the fucking GM, dude. He didn't know how to eat a McRiddle and you expect him to make talent level decisions. Now, nothing against what he did in the past. Obviously he was a stud. I didn't realize this. I went on his Wikipedia. 
I didn't realize he was a stud player in college football. He won yeah. a national title. Yeah. With Jimmy Johnson on that right. Arkansas team. Look, like he had the pedig- pedigree, the experience as a player, which obviously translated when he bought the team in 89, they won a title within four years. The turnaround that the Cowboys did, we've never really seen in NFL history. They went from one and 15 to winning a title four years later. It's amazing. But again, that was almost 30 years ago. And I mean, we've all seen the document. Like, if you don't know about that, like, like Jimmy Johnson came in, gutted the team, stockpiled draft picks, drafted all the three Hall of Famers on the offensive side of the ball, drafted a ton of guys on the defense side, like rebuilt the team. It was Jimmy Johnson. Yeah. The idea that he hasn't been there as like a fucking consultant through the years. But he's smart. You know, the game passes you by. It's something like he he was in, he was out. He came back for his stint with the Dolphins. He's out. He's like, fuck it. I'll stay on TV. Yeah. I mean, that's that that would to me, that would terrify me if I'm a Cowboys fan watching Jerry Jones give some weird speech where he's crying and he's emotional. He doesn't know where he's at. And then he's eating a McRiddle with an entire container of Morton Soda. I don't know what was going on there. Here's the thing. I said basically the exact same thing from the opposite side. I'm like, it, it, it fills me with joy to watch this as a Giants fan. But if there's one thing we know for sure, right? I mean, where do you rank them in all of sports? Delusional fan base, Cowboys fan base and they're like, they're top five, top three, maybe number one. Like every year, this is it for the Super Bowl. Like, if you're a Cowboys fan, you definitely are watching this and love it, right? How you're like fucking Mojo Monday? Let's get a fucking Austin Powers inspired merch. So their over under is nine and a half wins for this season. One episode is that the, is that the highest in this division? Let me see. One episode, I'm taking the under. I just, I just think. I, think I mean, how about the fact that Dak Prescott is like hurt right now? Well, he he had another MRI. Yeah. So in that division, correct. That is the highest. Washington. We might need, we might need to get. Uh, we might need to get a Tug Coker appearance on the show. During the course of Hard Knocks, to I get agree. His take because I was thinking of that Tug is a pretty reasonable fan, but he definitely has a little bit of Cowboys delusion to him. Like yeah. you can't, you can't escape it entirely. Look, business wise, Jerry Jones has made all the right decisions. No one's going to disagree with that. What he's done with the Cowboys, even we as they get, continue, we can get lose. Tug on to talk. You know, Cowboys football, Schroeder to the Celtics, the state of the Detroit Tigers. Virginia basketball slash Michigan basketball slash We're at Oklahoma basketball too. Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, man, they are. Uh, they're to me, they're not an intimidating team, even if they do win the division. It's just, it's not good. Although it, it brought me back. So they stay. I don't know if they still do. Cause when I did that Ventura marathon with my mom, that half marathon, that's where they stay. At the yeah. Marriott that we stayed at, actually. 
So like I it recognize seemed like, it seemed like they were all staying like on that, like that campus right there or whatever it is. But that's what it is. Like I stayed there. I think it's the same one. So they, they're like the rooms are at that Marriott are like, how would you describe it? They're like almost caught. Like we had like we had a two story like a condo, like a condo. Yeah. And I'm sure it's got to be the same spot they're staying. So I recognized it for sure. But again, I, right now I'm betting the under. I said they win nine games. I said they go nine and eight. Now I like Dak, but when I watch, like I like Dak as a player, but when I watch this, it also gives me a ton of excitement that like Dak is essentially one of those guys, much like my team's quarterback, Daniel Jones. It's like, obviously Dak proved a lot in winning games in compiling stats, but Ben hurt was hurt last year. Bad when that new contract was demanded. And like, it seemed like the perfect out for the Cowboys to uh, get him to play on a, you know, franchise deal or get him to take a thing, uh, you know, uh, a small contract anyway. He's, you know, getting half a bill or whatever the fuck it is, 395 million, 400, it's like some insane number. And what's he like, what's he actually done? Like, to me, it's like, it's, it's actually I, not as much as you think it's four year, 160 million. Okay. It's a lot of money. Four years, 160 million. Okay. It's 40 million is a lot still, sure. but not, but not for as long as I had remembered. Still, it's hard to build a team when you're paying one guy $40 million. Yeah. And, and I like Dak too. And I've liked him as a player, but it is true. Once you get that injury bug, especially early in your career, most guys don't shake it. Cause now he's, he's having injuries. He has a shoulder injury, which is completely unrelated. Yeah. Now, Andy, speaking of uh, NFL training camps, and also since we just mentioned Tug, man of many teams, I went and saw your, I'm going to let you correct me. Are they your squad? I mean, you are Chargers season ticket holder. I am. So are you now, are you now Chargers first and foremost? Sure. <laughs> and then, and then do you, is your second team, you're also an LA team? Like, are you still a Ram supporter or have you, are you, have you now moved your support? Seemed like an easy move of support, especially since maybe your favorite team is also in the Rams division in the Seahawks. No, I'll be rooting for the Rams because I like I like Sean McVay. Uh, okay. I want to see I want to so see I, I, went, do well. I went to Rams camp and I'll keep it. I'll keep it pretty short, but I think you'll like this. Um, not uh, not super exciting. You know, got there kind of late. Watched him run a scrimmage, you know, looked fun, looked interesting. You know, hard to tell. They're not really hitting each other that hard, whatever. But anyway. There's this yoful that is it, it, like in the stands with us going crazy. So there was like there's like a little barrier, you know, that keeps separates you from the deal. And they were like telling us, hey, you guys can't be up against the barrier. You have to be five feet back from the barrier. We need it in case like I don't know. It was like I don't know. They kept saying in case of emergency, but it seemed like it was like a covid restriction or whatever. So this Yofu is screaming at players, yo, 46, yo, 46, hit somebody, bro. 
you're 22. The whole like he doesn't know any single player's name. He's just yelling numbers. And they can't. Like, hit. You guys see Aaron Donald out there? I'm like, he's not out there today. He's like, oh, I didn't think so. I was like, okay, this guy's wasted. Dude, he's 99. Everybody knows that. Wasted. He keeps talking about his wife. And I finally look in the stands. He's his wife and his two kids are just like in the stand, like embarrassed for him. This guy is screaming on the sideline. The whole sideline is watching this dude. This guy's like, he's crazy. He keeps telling the security guy who keeps moving him back from the barrier. He's like, I'm going to jump on the field and tackle one of them. And the guy's like, yeah, don't do that. He's like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump on the field. So at one point, he high fives me for no reason. Then he hands my girlfriend his like free giveaway Rams car flags. He was like, hold these. I'm going to jump on the field. And she was like, "Uh, I don't want to hold them. And also, I don't think you should do that. So then he walks up into the stands, gives his wife his flags. And his two sons were just sitting there like this is literally a sober wife and kids just watching their drunk dad yell at players on the sideline. And I have video of this and I can post it on Dirty Sports. But finally, after after five mocking jumps, he jumps the fucking barrier. That's what I was going to ask. Immediately falls. Almost immediately after falling over the barrier, a fucking security guard gets on him. He gets away. You got to post it. You have this? Yes. It's you insane. Gotta... He gets away. He fucking runs on the field. He's like committed to tackling a player. He doesn't get halfway to the players. He falls again. He gets tackled by a bunch of dudes. And then on the way out, he's like, he's like beating his chest. He's so excited. He just thinks it's like the greatest thing of all time that he fell over a barrier, started running, fell over on the field, got dragged out by security. And all I could think of was like, and I asked the security guard, I was like, are you guys going to arrest him or, or is he just getting kicked out? And they're like, yeah, he's probably just getting kicked out and he'll never be allowed back again. And I was like really happy about that because the thought that this guy was going to have like a six, $700 fine, it, I, it, it made me sad for him. I was like, he shouldn't have done that. His wife looks like so sad and embarrassed. His poor kids have to see their drunk dad run out on the field. I'll post it. It's bananas. That was Tuesday. That was Tuesday. Are they in Orange County for camp? Where are they for camp? Yeah, I forget. UC Irvine. Yeah, that's what I thought. So he announced that he was going to jump out there like 10 times. He announced it to the security guard. He's like, I'm going to jump over. And the guy's like, yeah, don't do that. Yo, fool. When he went, the crowd went wild. That's hilarious. People, people were watching him for like an hour, two hours, yelling at players. They're like, this guy's crazy. That's nuts. I've never actually seen someone do it who says they're going to do that. He like fake did it a couple times just to see the security guard's reaction. And in my head, I was just like, bro, don't do it. You don't need this fine. Like, fucking take your kids to lunch. Yeah, yeah but hold on. In your head... My head would be saying, but also me would be saying, I want to see this train wreck. I kind of wanted to see it too, but I just felt really like if he was solo, I would have been like, bro, go, you fucking pussy. His wife and his kids were in the stands just like embarrassed that their dad was like drunk on the sideline. Well, luckily, it just had weird. It just had terrible family vibes. Well, we both have his number. Let's send Jesus a text. Tell him we're thinking of him. Yeah. He he needs to get it under control a little better (laughs) in that. Uh. You know, he does have a family to think about. 
who wins more games the rams or the cowboys the rams no doubt about it i think they play first week i know it's exciting or no 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 do do they play first week am i wrong no i'm sorry the cowboys play the chargers the second week okay i I knew i knew the cowboys were in la one thing i'll say about the about about the cowboys tug's been you know Tug's been nudging you for those tickets. You gonna hook Tug up with Cowboys Chargers tickets? I gotta call them. They're currently listed on StubHub. <laughs> That'll be. I mean, I'll be honest. Like, it's gonna be a tough sell, Tug. I love you, but like, the value is about three times what they're going for. It's a tough one to give up. Well, I think you know Tug was talking to me about it when we were golfing. He was like, "I hit up Ruther about his tickets." He's like, "I'll buy them from him." And he was like, I'll even like, he's like, guy won't call me back. He's like, I'm gonna have to buy tickets off of fucking StubHub. And and Ruther's putting his tickets on StubHub. I was like, I don't know, dude. Well, well, my argument is this. I was like, I know for one one thing for sure. Andy's hooking me up with some Giants fucking at Chargers tickets if I need them. Whoa, 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 whoa. Everybody's coming to me. Everybody. Dude, my thing is this. I want to see if I can actually make money off the tickets this year. Yeah. And I hate to say it. The Cowboys game. Again, full disclosure, my tickets are only $80 a seat. Right. In that area, I've done my homework on this. In that area, they're listed at three to three fifty a pop. So by me, again, I love Tug and people can call me whatever they want, but hey, Jared Jones businessman, Andy Ruth are trying to be a businessman. If if I can sell those. Oh man, this this, this conversation is gonna have more salt than a Jerry Jones McGriddle when we're done. But 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 let's after after Subhub takes out 15%, if I can make five hundred dollars on one game, I don't know. I'm just saying, I'll talk to Tug. You know, I don't know, Tug. Maybe maybe throw me a little equity in uh your restaurant. <laughs> we'll work out something. I did notice one last thing about the Cowboys, and then we'll move on. He should give you a part on his TV show. Oh, wait, he already did, Andy. Yeah, he did do that. <laughs> Take out your $200 day rate. True. That's true. I'm just kidding. I'm playing both sides here. Don't fucking sell him the tug. Make some money, dude. I'll figure it's it inv- out. It's an investment for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to rile everybody up, which will which will lead to tug giving me an angry phone call. How, how about a console? I'll call Tug this week. How, how about a consolation prize? You and Tug take my uh, Chargers 49ers next week preseason tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are are they sell? Like, will the preseason tickets sell? No. Do you yes. even have those? Do you have those listed on StubHub? I do have those listed, but I don't really care about those. Yeah. Dude, I will take preseason tickets from you. Do you want them? I'll For real. Do you want them? I mean, when are they for next weekend? Next Saturday. The only problem is I'm going to the fucking Mets game that day. Mets at Dodgers. Okay. So I can't take them, but offer them to Tug. But there's two, there's at least, there's two preseason SoFi games, right? There's one. A one? Yeah. Weird. Why? Because they have two away games. Oh, because they play the, the Rams is one of them, and that's a Rams home game. Ah. And then they have another one away. Interesting. So there's just one, but there's, but there's nine home games for the chargers. So I have nine right. sets of tickets, but don't they usually play four preseason games? 
No, I think it's down to three. Wow. Great. That's great news. Yeah. It's down to three. The, that's what they said on hard knocks that the Steelers and Cowboys get an extra one since they played that early Thursday. Got it. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say a minute ago was, you know, I was talking about Jerry Jones being a good businessman. He, he, again, not the best GM, not the best guy grading player personnel and the, the team decisions, but he's a great businessman. And I know this because he has had a deal with Miller light for a few years and you see Miller light. I don't know if you saw it at their training camp. So he knows the right beer to choose. I did not notice that, 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 that makes me, you know, low key as much as I don't want to root for the Cowboys like a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, well, look, that's, that's, that's great. Great. I mean, America's team, it should have America's finest Pilsner. Yeah. And and look, it makes sense because Miller light has been the light beer with great taste since 1975. And that feels like, 1975, the last year maybe that the Cowboys were relevant, right? Joe, right, it, almost fe- right. it almost feels like that. So Dirtball's football season is upon us. You know that. We're talking football. It's exciting. So next time you're going to enjoy some cold ones with your crew, make it Miller Lite and go to MillerLite.com forward slash dirty sports to find delivery options near you. Or you can pick up some Miller Lite pretty much anywhere they sell beer. It's Miller time. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. And I want to say I love seeing all the great tweets you guys send while you're drinking a Miller Lite, especially with the dirty sports koozies. So if you're tailgating, if you're golfing, you're having a barbecue, whatever it is, keep tweeting at us and at Miller Lite when you uh, are kicking back a few. Yeah, I love it. I, I love seeing folks at baseball games and now, you know, with with football upon us. Can't wait for all you guys drinking your Miller Lights at football games. I love it when you share your yeah. outdoor Miller Light drinkings with me. Well, this is a quick, easy segue of just something I saw that I thought was kind of fun. Great. Because we're talking drinking beers, NFL. So there it was released this week. Again, it was just done through a poll, but who knows how accurate it is. But it seems... Accurate to me. NFL fans who drink the most beers during games of the 32 teams. Who do you think is number one? Mm, Packers. It's a team that's not good, so it makes sense to me. Mm, the the hmm. Not good, the Bears. They're up there. Number four. The, the, according to this, the team that drinks the most beers, 5.2, 5.2 a game. Jets. Cincinnati Bengals. Wow. And Miller That's Light, impressive. Good yeah, for you guys. Yeah, and Miller Lite is strong here. So I know. I know that's the main beer down at the stadium. So lots of Miller Lights are being consumed. That's great. So, okay, so this, give me the top five. So top are they five. All terrible teams. They're not all terrible. But they're not so. But most of these don't, you know, are not surprising to me. Bengals number one, Ravens number two, Bills number three. Like to me, that's accurate. Yeah, yeah. Bears number four, Panthers number five. That surprised wow. me. Broncos number six, Chargers seven, Browns eight, Rams nine, Lions ten. Wow. So, so to me, it's a mixture of like bad teams where the fans are just going to drink because they know the teams are bad. 
yeah. and also good teams or kind of fun fan bases. That yeah, I also, I also think that, uh, you know, I was surprising that the chargers and Rams are on the list, but, um, that yo fool to me is what I'm thinking when I see them on right, the list, a hundred percent, but also, you know, what I was thinking, like when you say Carolina or Cincinnati or whoever is like, those are areas where I imagine that a Miller light, it, you know, the Bengals game isn't $41. Well, that's, that's a, that's a great point. Cause also in this is what they did average spent. So the Bengals are one of the lowest amount at 5.2 beers. The average spent is 4308 on that. Right. So it's one of the lowest as far as price per beer. And, and you're right. Where other places where exactly similar, similarly the chargers at 4.4 beers so about a full beer less is going to be sixty ninety three. Yeah. So who's on the top of that list? As far as average spent? Yeah. Let me see. They don't do it in that way, but uh, that's fine. I don't care. We can. No. Move. No. The the top is actually the Chargers. Yeah. So and good then, good for Chargers fans. Chargers and Rams are the top because probably, of course, price. The least, the least drinking, this doesn't surprise me either. The fans who drink the least are, according to this, the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. I believe that 100%. Right. So that was kind of an interesting thing that I saw. Well, the day I drank a fucking 30 pack in the parking lot of candlestick, I tried to up it for them, but I guess that wasn't, that also wasn't accounted for in the, in the beers that they sold. Yeah. I'm excited for this baseball game tonight. Oh, yeah. The Field of Dreams game. Yeah. Yankees, it is exciting. Yankees, White Sox, 7 o'clock. I think it's 7 o'clock Eastern time tonight in Iowa. It's not the actual Field of Dreams field. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I thought it was. I think it's the one next to it. Really? They made, that they made a mock one. I'm pretty sure. Wow. I mean, I saw that they added. It looked like they had added, you know a batter's eye and scoreboard and whatever. But I thought that was, I thought they had done that on the field of dreams. No, I think it's not the actual. That's crazy. What the am fuck I, are we doing it for then? Hold on. Am I, am I wrong here? I thought I read that. Somebody go to the YouTube comments. I'm, I'm looking it up now. It seems crazy. Yeah, no, I'm correct. The game between the Yankees and White Sox happens Thursday near the field from the famous 1990 movie. That's stupid. I mean, it's a cornfield, so I'm sure they can just make one that looks fucking similar. But like, I need that house in the background. I need like, what the fuck are we talking about here? Yeah, I'm seeing an aerial view of what they built. They basically built it next to it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So now now I'm seeing the aerial view. So the one the one from the movie in the house in the background, which would be the house would kind of be first base side. Yeah. This one is right behind the fucking bleachers where the girl falls off eating her hot dog. Yeah. So this one, Joe, Moonlight Graham's got to come fucking save her. So now there's a cornfield separating from the outfield of the original and the cornfield goes for I don't know how many acres. And then there's the one they built next to it, which I'm sure has been built for a while. Right. Like I'm sure they do like baseball tournaments there and shit like that. But 
Well, I guess I'm looking at it. I don't know if they could have done it on the original because the original field is just surrounded by corn. If that makes sense. Yeah, that's the whole fucking point. But they wouldn't have been able to have fans is what I'm saying. But down the first and the third baselines, right? And also, I don't give a fuck if there's fans. Yeah, so there's 8,000. Whatever, we'll check it out. Yeah, I'll still watch it. There's 8,000 tickets. The average ticket price was... Average ticket price was uh, 1,400 bucks. Wow. Imagine if I had bought those at eighty dollars. Where did these ball players come from? So, yeah, I'll watch it tonight. They're wearing the throwback jerseys. I think somebody's got a wink at the pitcher, right? I think. I assume you got to have Costner or Ray Liotta throw out the opening pitch, right? Yeah, you got it. I think I saw Costner was there. Well, I you texted me angrily last night about my Reds. Oh, because your fucking bullpen. It's worse. I mean, the, the, the Mets have a big comeback win last night. Season's over still, but uh, I'm, I'm still watching. Mets, big comeback win last night. Dodgers beat the Nationals. So Mets were picking up a game on everybody. Reds come back from, from two five. runs in the 11th. And then you're fucking whoever the fuck that guy was. Why don't you turn around and throw it out of the ballpark yourself? Served up a fucking meatball. Reds come back from five, nothing basically because of Vado gets four of those five runs back. My fucking Italian grandmother pitching in the fucking 11th, just serving meatballs. Well, this is related. I'll play a quick call about bullpen pitchers in the uh, major league baseball. What's going on, Dirty Sports? I'm sitting here listening to your guys' conversation about the Mets, specifically the inability of their bullpen to get it done. And I started thinking about how there's honestly a lot of teams in the MLB that seem to have the same issue, most notably to me at least, the the Blue Jays. So that kind of led me to a question. Is a good bullpen pitcher the hardest, I guess, position, for lack of a better word, to fill in the MLB, and if we're going to expand that, what's kind of the hardest position to fill in in sports? I guess is it like finding a three and B player in the NBA? Is it finding a good I don't know slot receiver in the NFL? What do you guys think? Let me know. But by the way, first of all, dude, I don't have like the, the Blue Jays. I got the stats right in front of me. But like we need to talk about the Reds. I mean, the, the Reds bullpen. This, this is what's crazy about the Reds. And I was texting you this. If the Reds just had a mediocre bullpen, I honestly think they have the best record in baseball. The, the Reds bullpen, if you look at ERA, they have the fourth worst ERA for their bullpen in all of baseball. But look at the other teams in the top five. The Reds are the only team by far with a winning record. The worst is Arizona, then Colorado, then Baltimore, then Cincinnati, then Minnesota. The Reds' bullpen has given up the most home runs and the most walks. So, like, the Reds' bullpen is awful. Yeah. I think to answer his question, uh, the problem is the bullpen is a collection of dudes. Finding, Finding a good bullpen guy isn't difficult, but finding four of them is. So... Therein lies the problem, you know, like even a great bullpen can have a guy that you trust or sorry, a bad bullpen can have 
a guy that you trust who's lights out, but it's like, if you can't get to him or if you can't get, or if after him, he's gone, like that, that's the problem with major league bullpens these days. And I hate to say it, you know, uh, my book is, will be out soon, you know, uh, p- pitch counts, how they ruin baseball. Uh, but we now have to have that many more. We, you have to get through. You basically at this point have to have four guys that you can trust in a bullpen because at least two of them are going to pitch a night. And then you can't typically pitch guys like multiple nights in a row, at least not multiple guys. A lot of teams have one guy that they trust to pitch a couple nights in a row, but like, we now have a point where we're taking out starting pitchers, whether they're pitching well or not in the fifth and the sixth inning. Now you need a sixth inning guy, seventh, seventh inning guy, an eighth inning guy, and a ninth inning guy. I mean, the, the days of a pitcher going seven, a setup man and a closer is like literally ancient history. Yeah. And it's because it, like, it's, it's infuriating because the lack of bullpen depth around the league is low. And yet managers fucking go to their bullpens earlier. Well, the, the bullpen really is important. I, I was naming how bad the top five bullpens are and that the Reds were the only team with the winning record. On the other side, the three teams with the best ERA are all really good teams. San Francisco, Tampa Bay, and San Diego have the three best bullpens. Yeah. And again, not a coincidence. Those are three teams with the best records in baseball. I agree with you though. This this micromanaging and not letting guys pitch. Look, I, look. I don't know what like I don't know the psyche. I know it's a different psyche when you're a bullpen pitcher and you got to come in. You got to get. But to me, that the tough part is the tough part to watch as a fan is giving up the runs when you're ahead. Like just don't just don't fuck it up, man. Right. Like 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 I'm watching that game. You know that that game last night. I'm thinking. I think the word is demoralizing. If you come back when you're down 5-0, Joey Votto goes four for five, four, four RBIs, two home runs. Like if I'm Joey Votto and I'm those Reds batters and I'm thinking, oh my God, we came all the way back. We take the lead. And this guy gives up a three-run bomb. I mean, Albies jacked it out of the park. How do you then just put that out of your memory or any of these teams when your bullpen is so atrocious and say, oh, we got to get them tomorrow. Like to me, those are almost momentum changing times of the season that can really dictate how you play. I want, I know you're a big Reds guy. You're a Joey Votto stand. I'm a Joey Votto stand. I love Joey Votto. He's a great guy, great player, fantastic career. Love this resurgence. Percentage out of a hundred though, that he started juicing at the fucking break. Like what? 20%. I mean, I'm seeing, I'm seeing the things on social on Twitter. Seems like such a good guy. Seems like out very out of character, but it's not zero, right? Oh no, I'm not going to look, I, you know me, I'm a contrarian. I'm not going to put anything at zero. No. Is there a chance? Yeah. I don't think he is. I also have bias, so I'm not the best person to ask because I am a stan. Well, that's why I'm asking you. I, I'm definitely not well, basically, putting it at well, zero. 10%, 10% chance, 5% chance. 
whatever you say, we're going to double it for everybody else's non-stand opinions, but 15 to 20%. Ooh, spicy. You know what that shows? That just shows where I'm at as far as trusting people in life. I, I yeah. just, I, I just, I, obviously I love the guy. Say it ain't so Joey. Say yeah. it ain't so. But I believe I've, I've, I've read. Ain't so denty. <laughs> I've read so much on him, like too much. It's almost turned obsessive doing deep dives on this resurgence. I mean, this is like stuff we've, I don't want people to realize like, like what he's doing. We haven't seen really. I mean, we've seen it, but my point is it's, you don't do this at 37. Yeah. And his argument, not argument, what he's saying is I never really tried to hit home runs. I was always just trying to get on base and, and numbers back it up. He led Joey Votto in his career has led on base percentage in baseball seven times. Which, which is about half his career. So half his career, he's led the entire majors in getting on base. And he said, that's what I was always trying to do. Now I'm just trying to hit bombs because I have so many guys around me yeah. that are getting on base. You know, Castellanos and Winker and Jonathan India, who's top five in on-base percentage. Like, you got all these guys who are getting on base around him, and he's just trying to knock them home. So I don't know. I hope not. Right. Well, we all hope not. I was trying to find the uh, the where Joey Bangs, Fado Still Bangs, came from last night. I don't even know what that is. Is that the thing? You haven't seen it? No. Every time he hits a home run, they've been saying it, it goes back to an interview. That's been like the thing. Vado Still Bangs. And everybody's embraced it in the last like year when he hits a bomb. Like yeah. Well, if he could only pitch, Joe. Right. So. That's, you know, that, that's, that's where I'm at. And it's, it's frustrating. As you know, sports will just break you emotionally. But yes, I think I've, I think I've been broke. I think I've been broken enough that nothing surprised. Like my debt, my phone was blowing up last night from friends. Be like, are you, are you serious? It's like, guys, what do you expect, man? Shitty bullpen. But you just look, can't let it beat you with one fucking swing. I know. You know, you know, to me, it's not even the all right. To me, the two telling stats, the Reds have given up the most walks and home runs as a bullpen. Like the, those are those are the things you can't do. Like if you're a bullpen pitcher, I don't care for what team, you can't come in and just walk guys and give up bombs. Yeah. The those walks are, the, are more telling too. Cause you're you, I mean, your ballpark is bomb city, but sure. But yeah, to be giving up more than the Rockies to be giving up, but 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 walking guys when your bullpen walks people, that's I mean it's why I drink. Bullpen walks, yeah. Bullpen walks, yeah. That that'll be the epilogue to how the pussies ruin baseball. Pitch counts, my my problem with pitch counts. Yeah, no, I understand, man. I want to do a quick last thing on the Olympics that I saw because yeah. it, it it furthers a point you and I have been making as far as ratings. I, I think we, you and I agree right at this point that ratings for, again, I'm just saying for sports, I don't know for other things. I don't know how it works for entertainment award shows or 
sitcoms, whatever. But I think you, we've agreed, right, Joe? I feel like we've come to a, a good common agreement that we think the ratings are overblown. They're not calculated correctly enough because of the new age. People watch things. And we also have said, do ratings really matter if the ad revenue is coming in? We agree, right? A hundred percent. Honestly, okay. I don't even want to go down the path of who you are if you don't agree with that at this point. Well, I, I think obviously people, I'll just say, I think people who identify on the right or conservative want to keep pushing bad ratings. Right. So. And picking and choosing where they push bad ratings. Yeah. Was the Olympics particularly woke this year? I didn't even see that. So, so here's what's interesting. This is why I'm bringing this up again. Wall Street Journal is coming through to give me the actual stats, though, that we need to know. NBC draws its lowest summer Olympic ratings ever for Tokyo Olympics. But I like how it mentions this. TV viewership was down 42% from 2016. Yet the Olympics was extremely profitable. And, and that's what I'm trying to get. So, so, so I just want to say a few of these numbers. So the ratings were down. The, the ratings actually were down Again, 42% from the last Olympics. They were the lowest ever for NBC since they took over in 1988. Yet, again, a big yet. NBC Universal said ad sales exceeded those of the 2016 games, which brought in $1.2 billion in ad revenue. I mean, so, it's, yeah, it's ludicrous. Like, here's the thing. There was a time where if you missed it, you missed it. I watched full, you know, you know, the the Olympics for me, the Summer Olympics for me are almost entirely swimming. That's what I care about. Basketball is a little bit in there. I, I'll check in on other sports. If it's on, I'll watch it. I watch race walking and volleyball and some track and field and, some, you know, fencing. Like I watch the stuff when it's on. But for me, like what I tune in for. But there was a time where if I didn't tune in for it, I missed it. I watched full races on Twitter. Three minutes after they happened. That's a good point, I watched, too. I watched a full. That's not even that's not even calculated in streaming ratings. Well, that's a good point, too. I never even thought of, that's a whole other point. And I'm just like you. Certain races I missed. I watched on Twitter. So. So, again, the ratings were the lowest they've ever been for NBC. Yet they're saying. And I believe them. They made more revenue than they've ever made, exceeding last Olympics was 1.2 billion just on ads. They're saying they crushed that. So when when you see these narratives of oh the ratings are down for football, basketball, Olympics, whatever, it does not matter if they're still getting advertising revenue. It just doesn't. And also another point I want to make, and I think I've said this before. We've never had the options of entertainment that we have now. Right. So the idea that you're going to compare ratings from even just 10 years ago, five years ago, with Hulu and HBO Max and Netflix and Amazon and Disney Plus, there's YouTube but, TV. And that's not even counting in just the things that you want, the things that we're watching, you can watch in ways that are not calculated by ratings. It's fucking stupid. So... There's so much more to watch as a viewer. This isn't the MASH season finale. Right. The important thing is here, listen, if you're 
anybody you're following, anybody that you're following, anybody who's takes you enjoy is talking about ratings at all or box office at all. Just know that they are lying to you to make to to for their own purpose, for whatever their purpose is. They're lying. They're bold faced lying to you or they're super dumb. They're either super dumb or more likely they're just straight up lying to you for their purposes. That's it. Oh, the Space Jam fucking bombed. It's like it's on HBO Max. Day one, guys. Oh, it didn't do fucking great at the box office? No shit. The Godfather 4 could come out tomorrow. It won't fucking crush at the box office because no one goes to the movies anymore. Yeah, and I think... Like, that's all that matters for these these companies for these the american movie going public taking a stand this week against italians probably because of cuomo's sexual harassment not going to see godfather 4 which is streaming on your iphone right now i mean imagine being that much of a dipshit dickhead so like like that's how i judge things like is the money still coming in Oh, advertisers are still paying NBC to air the Olympics. So end of story. And no one discusses that. I don't know why. No one discusses if the money's still coming in. Who cares if three people watch it? Right. They're not, they're not facing a deficit. They're not losing money. Their net income is still billions of dollars. And, and that's, that's always my takeaway on any of this stuff. And, and again, money aside, to compare viewership from something ten years ago to now, I mean, we, we like Joe. I mean, I mean, I, I I can go down a rabbit hole. We all can. I can go down a rabbit hole watching YouTube videos for two hours. Yeah, where where where? I mean, just think ago- about it for us from a comedian standpoint. Just think about us. You go if you come to a comedy show in Los Angeles right now. You will see somebody. They'll be like, this next guy has been on Conan. This next guy has been on Colbert. You'll be like, I have never heard of this person in my entire life. There was a time if Johnny Carson put you on his show, you were then famous for the rest of your life because every single person alive had choice of three channels. Then we went to cable. Now we're beyond cable. Now we have things that are just you, you just watch them. They don't exist on television. Netflix is not on television. Hulu is not on television. Amazon is not on television. They're, every single thing that happens on Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, fucking, you know, all of these streaming-only platforms are never calculated in the old rating system at all. Yeah, and like you said, we were watching swimming or track and field races, the whole thing in the two minute Twitter clip. Yeah. I, I don't need to watch it on my TV. I got my phone right here. Oh, cool. That was, that was the race. I watched it. All right. Let's, let's wrap the show with some good NBA stuff on this, on this very juicy episode. Juicy. We had we had a couple signings, Luca 
you know, there was chatter about Luca. Yeah. He's staying a map five year, $207 million max. Good for the, good for the uh, Mavericks. Good for Luca. Good for the Mavs. Joe, he's 22 years old. Good. Great. Love him. I, I love Luca. Yeah, I do too. Fun player to watch. Great player. Him. And, and, and specifically I like him, you know, again, a guy who like LeBron, who's my, you know, one of my favorite players of all time. And obviously in my opinion, the greatest of all time, a guy who can absolutely dominate games by himself, but a guy who makes his living makes his career makes everything by being a team first guy being a, you know, in terms of passing the ball, facilitating the offense. I love it. I love, I love players like that. I love guys that are just absolute freaks who can take over who facilitate their, their offenses. Yeah. So they, you know, they'll figure it out. I'm confident in mostly Mark Cuban that he's going to make sure the right guys get around Luca. Obviously, he's never won a playoff series, but again, just turned 22 in February. Yeah. He's young. We've seen he can take over playoffs by himself. And I think they'll put the pieces around him and, and make them a title contender team within the next three or four years. So that was the that was the big news as far as the smart decisions. They re-signed Luca. I think it's good for Luca as well, like you said. Now, the biggest miss of the week, I, I'm still laughing about. Is Dennis Schroeder? <laughs> Schroeder, I I don't I still don't understand it. I don't even understand it. I don't either. So the Lakers offer him like an eighty-four million dollar contract, eighty-five million dollar contract. He doesn't take it, the max deal, thinking he's going to get something better on the market. I mean, everybody's, you know, obviously the same. We we get the same shit. He doesn't want to play with LeBron. I didn't really see that. Oh, I saw it a thousand times. But I just think that's bullshit. I just think he made a maybe may, listen. Maybe that's part of maybe he, you know, maybe there's part of it where LeBron is a ball dominant player. And that's the big question mark of the Westbrook trade. Can how is that going to work with two guys who absolutely dominate the ball? And maybe Schroeder didn't like the fit, but the idea that you're going to leave that fit and lose $80 million, like I just don't believe that this was his strategy. It's wild. So he signed a one year with the Celtics for $5.9 million. He left. Yeah. About, I mean, I've never, have we seen something like this? He left. No. 80. Pretty, pretty horrible. 80 million, $80 million. He lost out on $80 million. Yeah, it's bananas. Well, now you don't have to play with LeBron, bro, or whatever. Oh, if I'm his agent. Let's say his agent gets 10%. His agent just went from making $8 million. <laughs> I think they get like closer to five. If okay. You're a, if you're a sports agent, maybe even less than that. But still, still. I'd drop him as my client. But they, they must have advised him to do it, right? That's your agent. That's their job. 
It's unbelievable. I think we'll see if he fires them. What True. happened? They uh, they had a field day on on uh, NBA slash Black Twitter on that. Okay, that gave me some good chuckles, and not as many as this next story. Well, we got a, we got a few stories to give you chuckles. Let's let we'll end with the Jason Kidd thing first. George Carl is just on fire. I fucking love George Carl on Twitter, and I didn't know George Carl was on Twitter since 2012. Apparently, he's found his voice on Twitter. Cause I literally just started following since the other day where he quote tweeted an ESPN thing and took a shot at Mello. Then apparently people were telling him to kill himself, which I'm not surprised. Mello stands are, it's just remarkable that they exist. Yeah. Most of them are Knicks fans too. Most of them are Knicks fans. It's horrific. Nothing more. Probably the most embarrassing thing of all of my sports teams of all of my sports teams. I'm probably most embarrassed by the fact of how many Knicks fans are delusionally still mellow supporters. He was responsible for the worst season in franchise history. And the Knicks have been a debacle for 20 years. So sports center tweets out a quote from Carmelo saying on, on, going to the Lakers to win a championship. This is the one thing I'm missing. This is the one thing that keeps me up at night that motivates me because I don't have it. George Carl quote tweets that and says, and it kept our coaching staff up at night a decade ago when we were stressing the importance of team play and defense laughing emoji. Wow. What's amazing is that that like, it's amazing that that garnered a negative response. I know that there's crazy mellow stands out there, but like, and let me just say this, and I would love to hear from you guys. Come at me on Twitter, call our hotline. How is it possible to watch, to be a fan of the NBA? You can argue many things about Carmelo's career. But you can't argue against him being a team player, ball dominant, force shot guy, which, by the way, Michael Jordan was that. So it doesn't necessarily make it bad. And a shitty defender, a careless defender, a guy who made no effort in his entire career with the exception of like, of fucking one series against Kobe on the defensive end. He was, he has never given defensive effort. He's a defensive liability and he's a not, he's a guy who averages fucking three assists in his career. So he's He's not a willing passer. He's a terrible defender. You can argue if you're a lunatic that Carmelo Anthony's scoring and just offensive skill set make up for his deficiency as a passer and as a defender. What you cannot argue is that he tried to defend people or pass. So his defenders would say, well, he won a title at Syracuse. Well, he won all those gold medals, which. First of all, he won gold medal as the seventh guy on a fucking basketball team. Yeah. I was going to say like, like, well, now, now he did have the record for most points. We got to give him credit. Cool. Kevin Durant just broke that. 
because he was on teams. He was on teams for he was on a lot of the teams. He was a three time Olympian. Okay. There's also the the you know why you know why Olympic Carmelo was good because Olympic Carmelo was on teams with so many great players. He couldn't possibly think he was the best, and he was a spot up shooter. It's insane. That's it. Carmelo's Olympic career should actually be something that we talk about for why his NBA career was bad because he showed he could do it. He showed he could be a second or third option and just rain threes and be a catch and shoot guy when he's playing with LeBron, when he's playing with Kobe, when he's playing with KD, when he's playing with whatever. But when he's in the NBA, it doesn't matter who he's playing with. He has to be the first option. Carmelo Anthony is only in the league right now because fucking two seasons ago, he said, I will start being a catch and shoot guy. He should have done it 10 years ago. He should have been a willing passer. Yeah. So George Carl takes all this criticism from the Twitter world, from the mellow stands. And then he quote tweets again, two days ago, somebody wrote basically what I just said in response to his tweet, somebody wrote, Mello won a college championship as a freshman, won a gold medal, and is one of the greatest Olympic basketball players we've had. We'll finish top 10 ever in scoring. We'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Guess that's nothing, though, huh? Carl responds with a quote tweet, which I love. I've said it before. One of the greatest scorers the game has ever seen. He's a Hall of Famer, and his jersey should hang in Denver. But he adds, and he capitalizes, he wasn't a first-team player or good defender here in Denver. And it upset us when he asked for a trade, especially after I was sick. And so it is. And then of course the big one where somebody, where he tweets that a hundred people have told him to kill himself. And then somebody goes, why? And he replies, this is the best one by far. Somebody said, he said, I think at least 100 people yeah. told me on here to die a rotten hell in the past 24 hours. Come on, come on, folks. That's not kind or cool. Lighten up and celebrate life. What did you say? That Mello was a ball hog and shitty defender in Denver. That's it. That's just, that's it. That is the criticism on Mello's career entirely as succinct as you make it. Ball hog, shitty defender. Yeah, no one's denying his scoring ability, but... The fact is, where did it fucking get you? I was just going to say, Melo didn't make guys around him better. He, and made, I know- he got in a, he got one Western Conference Finals appearance with the Denver Nuggets. They lost. He goes to the Knicks. He guts the team. Runs the fucking coach out of town. Runs the GM out of town. Runs a guy out of town that's been, that's had five documentaries made about his fucking 10 games of basketball while Carmelo was on the bench. So you ran the three, you ran a player, a coach and a GM out of town. You, you are responsible for the worst seasons in Knicks history, the worst seasons in Knicks history. You're a fucking, you sucker punch Marty Collins. You go fucking all these other fucking places. And what happens? You get DFA'd by fucking Houston. You're out of basketball. 
ball hog, shitty defender. That's Carmelo Anthony's motherfucking legacy. Yeah. And they'll fucking steal a ring with LeBron probably. And we'll all talk about, oh, and he's an NBA champ too. He's going to be a fucking nothing person on this team. Well, it's funny you bring up NBA champion. I've pulled up the top. He's going to be Kyle motherfucking Kuzma. The top 10 scorers of all time. Right. It's Kareem, Carl Malone, LeBron, Kobe, Michael Jordan, Dirk, Will Chamberlain, Shaq, Moses Malone, and Carmelo. Something stands out to me. Does anything stand out to you when I, when I name that list? The guys who don't have rings? Yeah. So the only that don't have rings are Malone and Carmelo. Now, Malone has two MVPs. So, so I can make the argument. To, I, I would make the argument to any Carmelo fan. I would say what George Carl's tweeting is true because he's not a team player. All these other guys made it work to a degree to win titles. They did. Here's, here's Melo never did. He here's never did. the argument that I would fucking make too. Why are we arguing with George Carl? George Carl was his head coach. What the fuck are we talking about? Well, they would they would respond if we're doing this. They'd say he's bitter. That what? What is he bitter about? I don't know. He gets paired with Carmelo. You don't think he wants Carmelo to work? You don't think he wants Carmelo to be good? You don't think he wishes he won a championship with Melo? You don't think when he got to the Western Conference Finals with Melo, he thought he was close? His head coach, multiple head coaches, by the way, have criticized his fucking selfishness and his lack of defensive effort. Guys who have been coaches of the year, Mike D'Antoni and George Carl have legit borderline Hall of Fame coaching careers. We're questioning his opinion because why? It's insanity. You're a fucking loser if you defend Carmelo Anthony at this point. Kill yourself. Well, on a lighter note, can we talk a little Jason Kidd for a minute to end sure. the show? There's a couple Jason Kidd things that came out. Um, one, well, first of all, these are all coming out. There, there's a new book about Giannis, and I've referenced it. Right. And I'm, I'm actually excited to buy the book because not even for the Giannis stuff. Um. For, uh, the, the stories about Jason Kidd, right? And, and 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 we just talked about the Mavs and signing Luca, and I'm saying I trust Mark Cuban, but this this almost makes you worry. Like, dude, was Jason Kidd the best hire? So Giannis, the improbable rise of an NBA MVP. Actually, oh, it is available as of two days ago. So the stories coming out in this book are really funny about Jason Kidd when he coached the Bucks and Giannis. And this was my favorite one. Apparently, Jason Kidd, he's got a little Andy Ruther in him, kind of similar. He was obsessed with water parks. Right. And according to this excerpt from the book, um, 
Let me read this. Is this uh, is Zeller? Is that Cody Zeller? What's Zeller's first name? Yeah. So Cody Zeller, this is from the book. He says, it's not that I don't enjoy water parks, Zeller says, but when someone is screaming at you to be his human inner tube for every ride in the, in the park, you start to wonder what this has to do with basketball. And then this one is my favorite. Another player who wishes to remain anonymous reported that kid had an unhealthy obsession with water parks and would, so eat, weird. And would eat lunch at Pelican Cove Water Park four days a week. <laughs> What is happening? What? what do they even have? It like, what, what, what do you like? Their menu's got to be fucking corn dogs and shit, right? Yeah, basic stuff like slice of pizza, corn dogs, hamburger. Oh, it gets even funnier. I mean, this is one of the, this is. I would argue this is one of the wildest things I've ever heard. We all thought it was because of the single moms, but I think he really just likes water parks. Guard Chris Middleton says. One time in a game against Chicago, we were down two with a minute left, and he calls a timeout. He starts drawing. Again, this is from Chris Middleton. He starts drawing on the whiteboard, and we all think he's going to give us an inbounds play. But he turns the whiteboard around and says, wouldn't this be a great water slide? <laughs> I can't make this up. Jason, here's the thing. Jason Kidd is rich. Why doesn't he? Why doesn't he fucking start a water park? Yeah. So Middleton, can we have Jason Kids like splash from the corner or something like that? Like, so Kid draws this up, and he says, "Wouldn't this be a great water slide?" Well, I need I need Jason Kids release rotation splash down water park. So Kid goes on and he says. My friends in New York all laughed at me when I showed it to them, but I made some tweaks to the exit. So you land in a hot tub instead of a pool, which makes it so much awesomer. <laughs> oh, so Jason Kidd doesn't even understand physics. What are we talking about? You're going to land in a small hot tub? Brandon, Je Brandon Jennings looked at me and back at Kid and said, Coach, it's just a bunch of squiggly lines. We can't really tell what's going on. And then, and then coach started crying, but said it was just sweat, even though we all knew he was definitely <laughs> crying. Dude, this is like a South Park sketch, bro. So you're telling me, let me just go back on this. You're telling me in the middle of a game, they're down two, under a minute to go. They think he's drawing up a play and Jason Kidd is showing the Bucks players his generic blueprints on a whiteboard of his water park slide. And he cried when Brandon Jennings was like, what? What? Can you imagine being the head coach of a basketball team, having Brandon Jennings on your roster, and then you being the guy people think are crazy? That's a good point. I mean, that's my favorite one. But this one also is pretty wild. Now, we went over how he was a disciplinarian. So there's this other story. That came out from the book. There was one off season where he was hanging out with Ron Artest and <laughs> Lamar Odom and OJ Simpson. And they were like, coach, you're crazy. So here's another good Jason Kidd story. Jason Kidd has become my favorite player of all time. Maybe coach like this, this dude is an 
a lunatic. Here's another good one. The Bucs were struggling, dropping a game to Charlotte on December 23rd, right before Christmas. Players returned to the locker room, dejected, silent. Everyone was ready for the next two days off with their families. Zaza's and Zaza Pachulia. Zaza, kid said, turning to Pachulia, but addressing the group. Do you think this was a winnable game? Yes, it was a winnable game, Pachulia said. And do you think we deserve the next two days off? Pachulia couldn't believe Kid had put him in that situation, threatening to ruin Christmas. Pachulia tried to strike a diplomatic tone. You know what, coach? I understand the frustration. We're all frustrated because this was a game we were supposed to win. We didn't give enough effort. But at the same time, this is a holiday. Christmas is important to our families. It's not about us. It's about our families. Guys have made plans. Kid then turned to Dudley, Jared Dudley. What do you think? Should we take off the next two days? Dudley too gave a diplomatic answer. But Kid wasn't satisfied. See you guys tomorrow at 9 a.m. Whoa, 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 players said. What do you mean? We're going to have practice tomorrow? We booked flights to different places. I don't care. You guys get paid to do a job, so you're doing your job tomorrow. Things change. Practice was ugly the next morning. Kid went at Sanders. I forget, I don't forget who this is uh, on the team. Called him a piece of shit, a terrible player. The team ran and ran and ran and ran like a college team would. While I don't Jason think- Kidd fucking applied sunscreen <laughs> and ate a fucking corn dog. So, so this is what's crazy about Jason Kidd. On one hand, you have the childlike, I love amusement parks. And on the other hand, he's like, hey, I know you got plans to go visit your families during Christmas, but fuck that. You're running sprints tomorrow. Do you well, want my do you want my hot take? Yeah. It's not really that hot of a take because I think there's a lot of evidence to this through the years from what Jason Kidd looks like to what Jason Kidd's kids look like to how he acts seemingly like all over the place. Jason Kidd's an alien. I think Jason Kidd is an alien and does not know how to act like a human being. I mean, great. It almost seems like he had eyes in the back of his head when he played. Maybe he does have eyes in the back of his head. Maybe he is literally some sort of reptilian creature from another planet. That's why he doesn't know how to act like a human being, but physically, athletically, a masterpiece. Jason Kidd's an alien. Isn't this some shit like like if you watch a movie like a comedy about an alien coming to Earth, like isn't him being obsessed with fucking water parks like totally legit? Like Napoleon and fucking Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. How is this just now coming out? He was going to Earth when he was in college. He was going to amusement parks. I'm sorry, water parks to eat lunch. That's what I'm saying, because he's an alien. Even me. A coaster bro. A guy went to Kings Island twice in the last six days. Crushed it on Tuesday, by the way. Rode Orion twice. Sub story. But it's very, very enthralling. I'll tell you what. We don't have time for it today. We don't have time for an Orion review today. I know. Put it in the Reddit. I know. (laughs) Really loved it, by the way. This... I'll just say this, and I know we got to get moving. The amusement park stuff, because I, I want to kind of focus on that, the, the, the water park stuff. 
is one of the craziest things. That that timeout story is one of the wildest things I've ever heard. I think his like I think the fact that he's eating at a water park, enjoying water parks, thinking about water parks, and how he looks, how he played, and how he acts in human contact with other people. I think Jason Kidd is an alien. This is my theory. I believe it. I believe Jason Kidd is not from planet Earth. He may have been here a while. He's getting acclimated. I need Jason Kidd call like Cal stories. I need like I need I need a story like I feel like it's out there. Jason Kidd's college roommate. He would hard boil three dozen eggs at the beginning of the week and then eat them with the shells on. He just, he just cool hand Luke unshelled hard boiled eggs. And then be like, oh, Jason Kidd's fucking definitely an alien. So to kind of wrap things up, we just talked about how great the Luca signing is for Luca and for the Mavs. The the NBA, let's let's not just say Mavs, the kind of the NBA guy now. Obviously, Giannis is up there, but the next generational guy is Luca. Yeah. Is in the hands of Jason Kidd. Yep. In Alien. Yeah. Terrible. Things could How long is Jason Kidd the head coach of the Mavs? I say two seasons. I was just about to say two years. And then he's going to open uh, Kids Water Park. Yeah. I mean, it's got a great, it's like I already got the name Kids yeah. Water Park with two D's. Yeah. Well, if you guys have any uh, Jason Kidd stories or if you know anybody, who- wet kids. <laughs> We're going please, to wet kids. Please give us a call. 310 359 8365 is the hotline. If you want some koozies, drop a podcast review, leave your Instagram or Twitter handle in that review, please. And I will contact you and send out two koozies. Follow us on the Twitter and Instagram at the Dirty Sports. Follow me at Joe Prane on all social media except for Twitter at Fix Your Life. Uh, send me all your photos of you drinking Miller Lite in wonderful outdoor places. And uh, go to JoePrane.com for shows. I got a show tonight in Santa Monica, show next week at the Great West Side Comedy Theater in Santa Monica. New Orleans in October. Come on, come see a show. All right, that's it. That's all I got. Perfect. All right, guys, that's our show. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great weekend. We'll be back soon. And as always, stay dirty.